and I, when we've been wronged, and we focus on getting fairness, oh, you'll get justice, all right, and they'll get justice. But when you focus on forgiveness, you get grace, and they get grace. And how many know that grace is a much better quality to embrace than justice? We live in a world of extremes, don't we? Extreme sports, you got the social influencers doing extreme things, climbing on top of buildings and bridges and videoing all. You wanna do something extreme? Forgive somebody when they don't deserve it. Be generous with somebody who's betrayed you. That's what's shocking, that's what's extreme. To be generous when somebody doesn't deserve it, or better yet, to be generous when someone deserves justice. Welcome to Entrusted.tv with Pastor T.K. Anderson, the Senior Pastor of Compass Church in Monterey County, California. Thank you for joining us. We are in a six-week series, The Life of Joseph, God is Supreme. Joseph's story resonates with themes of courage, perseverance, and unwavering belief that even in the face of adversity, God's plan unfolds with divine precision. So whether you're a seasoned reader of the Bible or just beginning, this message series offers a window into the profound mysteries of divine revelation and practical application for everyday life. Let's join today's message. You know, Kansas City, Missouri is known for a few things. It's famous for its barbecue ribs. It's famous for its cool jazz music. And also, it's recently famous for the Kansas City Chiefs with MVP Patrick Mahomes. But there's another reason why Kansas City is famous that you may not be aware of. Kansas City was the place where the original Secret Santa started. The Secret Santa would find people who were down and out, and he would quietly slip them a $100 bill. But why would a wealthy, successful businessman give away hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars over the course of his life to complete strangers? Well, here's what happened. When he was a young man and down on his luck, he went into a local diner and he was trying to figure out how he could eat breakfast. And he ordered and yet wondered how he was going to pay for it or if he could figure out a way to get out of paying for his breakfast. When the time came and the check showed up on his table, he fumbled around on his pockets, pretending to have lost his wallet. That's when the owner noticed, and he realized that this young man didn't have any money. And the owner decided to come around the counter, and he bent down as if he was picking something up, and he picked up a $20 bill and said, young man, it looks like you dropped a $20 bill. And with it, the young man was able to pay for his breakfast The young man said that he never forgot this act of generosity and which is the reason why he started being a secret Santa when he was able to. And his whole life he gave to those in need. You know, over the past few weeks, we've learned that Joseph had an immense faith and an immense trust in God. And his story, as we've been following along, it teaches us how to find what we call the sovereignty of God in our life. Today, we're going to take a look at how to learn how to trust in God, because when we trust in God, it carries a direct connection to this idea of generosity. And in the process, we're going to learn how Joseph's one act of generosity saved an entire nation. 
Now, whenever a pastor talks about generosity, I've learned that people tend to think that he's going to talk about money. Today's message is not about money. Because the truth of the matter is, we don't need more money in our pockets as much as we need more grace in our hearts. Isn't that true? And that's going to be the big lesson we learned today. But before we dive in, let's do a quick review in case you're new to this series on Joseph. Here's where we're at. Joseph arrives on the scene as a teenager in Genesis chapter 37 with a multicolored coat given to him by his father and the ability to have and interpret some special dreams. We discover that he is one of 12 brothers and the father is a man named Jacob. Unfortunately, his brothers became jealous of him, and so they sold him into slavery. We discover that Joseph arrives in Egypt, and he's purchased by a man named Potiphar, the Egyptian military leader. And while there, Joseph is falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and he's put in jail in Genesis chapter 39. While in jail, Joseph interprets some dreams of his jailhouse buddies, And word gets back to the Pharaoh that Joseph has a unique talent to interpret dreams. And so the Pharaoh asks him to interpret his dreams. And because of his response, he is released from prison. And all of this happens in Genesis chapter 40 and 41. And because Joseph nailed it, he got the dreams right. Pharaoh then puts Joseph in charge of the entire nation. And Joseph springs into action to prepare Egypt for seven years of plenty following seven years of famine. And all of this happens in chapter 41 as well. And last week, we looked at Genesis chapter 42, 43, and 44. And in those three chapters, we detailed these multiple trips during the famine years, a back and forth to Egypt of Joseph's 10 brothers. It starts off with all 10 of them going to Egypt to buy grain. And Joseph sends nine of them back while he keeps one hostage in jail. The nine go back to Egypt with Benjamin, the youngest, so 10 in total. And then Joseph tricks the 10 brothers and keeps Benjamin and orders the 10 to return back to the father. And that's where we left off last Sunday. And all of this sets the stage for what is about to happen in Genesis chapter 45. Are you with me? Get it? Good. All right. So today we're going to learn five reasons why generosity is so powerful. So let's buckle up and dive in. The first reason why is it changes the giver. So if you have your notes with you, go ahead and fill in that word. It changes the giver. We'll start off here in Genesis chapter 45, verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. Joseph could stand it no longer. He's standing with all of his brothers There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. And then he broke down and he wept, and he wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father, is my father still alive? Finally, after all the back and forth and all the testing, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. The Bible says that Joseph uh, could stand it no longer. I looked it up. Other translations say he he couldn't keep his composure. He, He couldn't control his emotions. He could not control his feelings. Something was happening in the heart of Joseph to his family. Maybe you've been there before. 
Have you? Have you been in a situation where, where you were overwhelmed by emotion? Maybe you were overtaken by joy or, or happiness and you couldn't keep it in. It's a great feeling, isn't it? And that's what happens to us. That's the first thing about being generous. It changes you. It changes the giver. You can't keep it in. It has to come out. And when it comes out, guess what? It's contagious. That's pretty cool. It impacts those around you in a very profound way, which we're going to learn in our lesson today. You see, this scene we're looking at in verses 1 to 3 actually took place 20 years after Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. Imagine that. Yet ever since the brothers first showed up in Egypt to buy some grain, Joseph withheld his identity from them. He was testing them. He wanted to see if they really were sorry for what they had done. And finally, after Joseph discovered that his brothers did indeed change, that God had actually been working on their hearts, he was ready now to reveal himself. He was ready now to repair the relationship, the damage, and he was ready to move forward. You know, what we're learning here is that Joseph was generous in his willingness to forgive Willingness to forgive, and guess what? It changed him. It changed him as a person. Now, some people will ask, where did Joseph get this from? I think Joseph had an innate understanding of the character quality of God, the generosity that you and I receive from God. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 103 that he, meaning God, God doesn't punish us for all of our sins. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for that? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? God's going, really? Really? <laughs> yes, Lord, we are thankful. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. In other words, you can't measure it. You can't get a tape measure out and measure that. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Again, you can't measure that. It just keeps encircling the globe around and around and around and again. You can never get to the end of it. Verse 13, the Lord's like a father. That's interesting. He's like a father to his children. He's tender and compassionate to those who fear him. In other words, have a respect and, uh, you know, respect for their dad. For he knows how weak we are and remembers that we are only, say it with me, dust. Boy, if we could just remember that when we're dealing with each other, we're only dust, man. We're weak. We're not perfect. None of us in this room have it all together. Isn't that true? And if we were just a little more generous with each other and remember we're weak, we're only dust. We have frailties and we don't always do things the right way. You see, friend, listen, when you and I, when we've been wronged and we focus on getting fairness, oh, you'll get justice, all right, and they'll get justice, but when you focus on forgiveness, you get grace and they get grace. And how many know that grace is a much better quality to embrace than justice? A pastor that I read this week, his name is Anthony Robinson, not to be confused with Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker. He wrote this way. He said, when our only measure is fairness in a situation, right? You've been wronged and you want to make sure they get their just desserts. When we only measure as fairness, when our preoccupation is our just desserts, we lose touch with a sense of grace and graciousness. And we forget about the people who love us more than we deserve. 
And the God who does what? Extends generosity and forgiveness to each one of us. I think it would do us well to keep that in mind when we're dealing with each other. But you see, generosity, first of all, is powerful because it changes the giver. It changes the giver. Okay, what's the second reason why generosity is so powerful? It confounds the receiver. So go ahead and fill that in in your notes. Confounds the receiver. And we pick this up in Genesis 45, verse 3, the second half of the verse. After Joseph delivers his speech and reveals himself to his brothers, the Bible says, but his brothers now were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. In verse 5, Joseph says, don't be upset and, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. I read that. I said, are you kidding me? I would have said, you dirty, rotten scoundrels. Now that you know it's you, and I know it's you, and we all know, off with your heads, right? Not Joseph. He was gracious. He says, don't be upset. Don't be angry for selling me to this place. Why? Here it is. It was God who sent me here. God sent me here. You didn't send me here. God's in control. God's sovereign. God is supreme. God sent me here ahead of you to do what? To actually preserve your lives, by the way. I went through all of this punishment to preserve you. Wow, that's powerful. What a mature man, right? All the way down in verse 12. Then Joseph added, look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I really am Joseph standing before you. They thought they had gotten rid of him. They thought he was gone, never to be seen again. This reunion was shocking. Put it into a present context. Imagine this with me, if you don't mind. Imagine 20 years ago, you really zing somebody. I mean, you got them good. You stuck it to them and they probably even deserved it. But imagine even if it was a little bit worse, it was a family member that you were jealous of. And imagine if it was your very own brother. And we're not talking about a small thing you did to them. Imagine that you actually sold your brother into slavery and you profited off of his pain and you were never to see him again. And on top of all that, in order to cover it all up, you actually go back to your own father, your dad, and you lie, and you fabricate some story, and you tell your dad that your brother was killed by a wild animal, leaving your dad to forever think that his son was killed and he's dead. That's what these guys did. They were dirty, rotten scoundrels, much like some of us in this room today, right? But now here they stand face to face with the brother that they betrayed, the guy that they betrayed 20 years ago, and the Bible says they are speechless. Why? Because that's what generosity does to the person you're being generous to. It's shocking. It's outrageous. It's extreme. We live in a world of extremes, don't we? Extreme sports, you got the social influencers doing extreme things, climbing on top of buildings and bridges and videoing all. You want to do something extreme? Forgive somebody when they don't deserve it. Be generous with somebody who's betrayed you. That's what's shocking. That's what's extreme. To be generous when somebody doesn't deserve it, or better yet, to be generous when someone deserves justice. That's extreme. When you release someone from the burden of their offense, that's being generous, that's big-hearted, that's compassionate. That's the kind of thing Jesus does with you and the kind of thing Jesus does with me and the kind of thing we should do with others. 
But there's a second thing I picked up in this passage. Here it is. When you can reframe what's been done to you in the way that Joseph did, guess what? It not only blesses them, but it's freeing for you. Let's go back to what Joseph said. Check it up here on the screen. He says, don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place in verse five. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. Joseph ultimately trusted in the sovereignty of God. That's what he did. In the good times and in the bad times, he realized that God is supreme. That's why we got these bracelets for you during the message series. God is supreme. How are you doing in that area? How are you doing on that today? You know, some of you may have received some bad news this week or last week or last month, and maybe you're facing some challenges, some real tough challenges today. News about your health or a family member with health. Maybe it's your finances are turned upside down and things aren't looking that great. Maybe one of your kids just is off the rails or your grandkids and and they're teetering on the edge of something really not beneficial or productive for their life. And you know it, but there's still an act of rebellion doing it. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. You just had a big blow up fight on your way to church today. That happens to people. Maybe it's your job. The boss sat down with you and said, looks like we're going to have to let you go. And now your whole world is upside down. Maybe it's an addiction you thought you beat and now here it's back again and it's tempting you and coming at you. Maybe there's a legal problem that someone's facing today. I could go on and on, but you get the idea. How are you doing with saying God's in control of all of this? I don't know how God's going to work it out. I don't know how it's going to all end up five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, but I do trust God. I do trust him. You see, Joseph's generosity left them speechless and stunned because it changed them. It changed the brothers. Your generosity sets up a situation where everyone wins. And when grace wins, everyone wins. How many of you, by show of hands, have ever seen the TV show Jeopardy? Do you remember that show on TV? Kind of a fun one, a little quiz game show. I admit I've watched it once, maybe, once or twice. The idea or the goal of it is to win the most money at the end, the end of the show. But that doesn't take into the account of the generosity of someone like Scott Weiss. On one of the particular episodes years ago, in the final Jeopardy round, the second and third place players both had $8,000. The man in the middle, the leader, he had a little over $12,000. And often, if you've ever watched the show, The final question leads to the winner betting just enough of his earnings to win by $1, right? On this particular show, the second and third place bet all $8,000 so they would have 16. And Scott bet the exact number so that if all three of them got the answer right, they would tie with $16,000 each. And that's exactly what happened for the first time on that show. It was a moment of pure joy all made possible by Scott's act of generosity. And that was on a game show. In real life, do you think you and I can show that kind of generosity to others? I think we can. So we've learned that generosity confounds the receiver. It changes the giver. But what's the third reason why generosity is so important? Because it challenges the observer. 
challenges the observer. Now buckle up for this point because this is fantastic. Check it out what happens in verse 16. Now the news of Joseph and his brothers being reunited, all of that soon reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's brothers have arrived, they said. Pharaoh and his officials were all delighted to hear this. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, hey, come here. Tell your brothers that this is what you must do. Load your pack animals and hurry back to the land of Canaan, Israel, to go get your dad. And then get your father and all of your families. And I want you to return here to me. And I'm going to give you the very best land in Egypt. Underline that in your notes. He's going to give them the very best land in Egypt. And you will eat from the best that the land produces. The best that the land produces. What is going on here? This is Joseph. He's not even a part of their family. He doesn't even believe in the same God they believe in. He's a secular guy. He's got his own plan, but something happens. He hears this news about Joseph being generous to his brothers, forgiving them, and he gets all tickled about the idea and says, I want in. He starts to give. It's fantastic. His brothers are high-fiving, and the news quickly reaches Pharaoh's palace. He wanted in on the action. You see, and generosity is like that. You've probably seen it in your life. When you give, it sets in examples for others to give. You know, as a church, as we continue to be generous in all that God has given us, and we say, God, whatever you want us to do to reach our community and other communities, we want to be faithful stewards to whatever it is that you've entrusted to us. You know, yesterday we partnered with the, we partnered with the city of Salinas and with Republic Services, and we had a clean up or beautify Salinas Day. And many of you came out, about 100 of you, and volunteered. Thank you for doing that. But what's going on here? It means other people, other organizations in our own city that don't necessarily hold to the same faith values that we have want to be a part of what God's doing in our city with us. That's what's happening. And I'm telling you, hang on, buckle up, because don't be surprised in 2024 if you don't see more of this type of generosity coming from businesses and leaders outside of our church family that just want to be a part of the generosity that we're spreading throughout our community. It's going to happen because this is a biblical principle. It challenges the observer. That's what it does. They want to end. But the reverse is also true, so you got to be careful. When you give, it sets in examples for others. But when you gripe, that also sets in examples for others. How many people have you ever heard? I don't want to go to that church because they all grumble and complain all the time, right? It's true. So a church has the opportunity to be generous and give, or they have an opportunity to gripe and complain. I want to be a church that gives and is generous. How about you? Psychologists call this the chameleon effect. It actually takes place in part of our brain. In 1999, a study showed that humans unconsciously mimic someone else's mannerisms to improve rapport between strangers. We do this instinctively. They discovered that the phenomenon works by what's called the perception behavior link. It's where seeing someone do something increases the likelihood of doing it as well. That's why people say yawning is contagious. Have you ever seen that? Nobody better start yawning right now, okay? <laughs> the researchers concluded that imitation acts as a social glue, promoting group cohesion and bonding. It's what's building community. So here's a question for you. Do you want to live in a better environment? Then start giving away a better environment. 
If you want to live around people who are kind-hearted and gracious and generous, who doesn't want to live in that environment? Well, guess what? You start being kind-hearted, gracious, and generous. You don't harvest if you don't plant seeds. You don't make money if you don't invest. Jesus said you reap what you sow. The more generous you become, the more generous those around you will become. Why? Because they pick it up from you. Did you catch what Pharaoh offered? I love this. He gave them the land, the food, the materials, and he promised them a future. And he wasn't stingy. In verse 20, he says, don't worry about your personal belongings. For the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. I love that. In other words, he was saying, listen, go back home and leave the old clothes, leave the knickknacks, the trinkets, and all those storage containers where you got all the old junk stacked away. Just leave it all behind and come on back because a new life awaits you, a life you could only imagine. You know, that's kind of symbolic to what God is saying to some of you here today. He's inviting you to receive all that he has for you. But what you need to do is leave the old life behind. Leave the old junk. Leave the old clothes. Leave the old attitudes. Leave the old identity. Leave all those old things behind and walk into the newness of life that Jesus has to offer you. All the best of heaven is waiting for you if you but leave behind the old ways. One commentator wrote it this way. He says, to return to Canaan with carts from Egypt was the cultural equivalent of landing a jumbo jet on a tribe of isolated savages. It would be the stuff legends are made of. I love that. What's going on here? We're learning that Joseph's generosity created an environment of giving, and it changed who? It changed Pharaoh. So imagine that. Joseph's family and their future were secure because Joseph chose generosity over justice. We're hitting that same theme again, aren't we? So here's the question for you and me, the application. What will your future look like? What will the future of your family be? The future of those who imitate you? What will it be like when you choose generosity over justice? Because every single one of us in this room today and everybody watching online or at one of our venues, you have the opportunity to change history by what you do with your generosity. Hey, thank you for joining us for today's broadcast, and I really hope the message encouraged you. You know, if God's working in your life and you'd like to go all in for Jesus, simply text the word Jesus to 33777. And when you do, I'll be able to send you digital resources to help you in your walk with Christ. Remember, whatever you may be facing today, God is bigger. And as you trust in him, he will make a way through it. If you'd like more information about Compass Church or our ministry, you can follow us on our YouTube channel. That's at Compass Church Monterey County or at our website, compasschurchmc.org. And for the month of February, if you'd like to help support this ministry for a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of my newest book, God 316, 10 Ways God Shows His Love. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another beautiful day. And we ask you to continue to provide us with protection and provision and give us the tools and resources necessary to carry out your plan that you have for us in our life. And we thank you for it now in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, Pastor, for that message and prayer. Entrusted Ministries is provided for you by partners from across America. 
And Trusted is on over 400 radio stations. Go to entrusted.tv for Pastor Anderson's messages and learn more about Compass Church in Monterey County. Thank you in advance for your support and help in spreading Jesus' love through this ministry. Remember, you are entrusted with a purpose. And until next time, stay blessed and keep tuning in to entrusted.tv, where you will be inspired and empowered because you've been entrusted with the gospel.